welcome back to Ben and Matt's Marvellous Journey. This is episode 37 of our podcast, dealing with the whole history of the MCU. 37 is Ms. Marvel. My name is Matt Waters. I'm joined by Ben Phillips. Ben, how are you doing for one of our rare evening records? I'm doing okay. I got to watch a TV show that I like, but mm. is very obviously flawed. Marvel but I got think... to it. Yeah, but I feel like the ways it's flawed are going to allow us to kind of like stretch out into lots of different things and lots of things that we text about a lot. Yeah. Like, this is basically going to be able to us, like, Moon Knight was its own thing where I feel like all, all of the discussion was kind of like, structurally, this is kind of a mess and, yeah. and the worst version of a character that we really like. Whereas I feel like we're less emotionally invested in Miss Marvel, even though both really, really liking the comic book. Mm hmm. And it kind of, this is more speaking about just where TV and streaming is in 2022, as it was. Yeah, in, absolutely. In a big way. It's a show that, like, for me, it could have had it all in many ways. It does a lot of the, the things that they are bad at better than all their other TV shows, um, including Loki, I think, in some places. But it is tripped up by... Some of the same foibles that all Marvel projects face, and as you said, the just pitfalls that modern TV has fallen into. You know, we're not just talking Marvel; um, we are talking Netflix. We are talking just so many things. It it did its best to almost rise above it, but like I think there's an unavoidable sense of how do we fill six episodes with our one idea? I don't know. Shove two ideas together, and they will have to awkwardly fit. Yeah, which we discussed a little bit in like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and mm. it's so obvious that a lot of TV in kind of the last five to ten years has basically been the... Make a the, long movie. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's the last place where movie scripts end up, which is like, because the middle of movies disappeared and everything was either indies or blockbusters, you end up with an industry which, is, which isn't able to progress creatives up a, like, a logical path. Mm. So you have directors who direct tiny movies going on to blockbusters because they're just all previous now at this point which is an inherent issue in the movie industry and then because the middle all left you've got these so many scripts so many scripts that are all like two hour ideas that get turned into mini series or, or movies and stuff like that and you have to imagine that Kamala Khan as a character first debuts in kind of like 2013 2014 yeah. and is immediately a huge hit. Like, there's stories written everywhere. This is in that era of Marvel where kind of, like, they're actually hitting out of the park with these new characters on a regular basis, like, because it's like this is a couple of years after Miles Morales has debuted in the comics, and mm -hmm. so you get that kind of normal thing where, like, there's a news article about this character, there's a news article about this character, like, there's mainstream attention being, being provided to this, and from there, Kamala Khan is kind of, like, if you're going to do a modern adaptation of, of Marvel in, in animation or, or in, a, in a medium that isn't the movies or the MCU, you probably will see Kamala Khan show up there at some point. Um, Intensely popular. Like, if we're looking at characters that have actually taken root really post, like, I don't know, the late 90s almost? I, for, for all companies, like, DC also struggle with this where, like, you look at this huge cast of Batman villains. You look at the ones that like were created after 1990 that have stuck around. And it's like Bane, Harley, Court of Owls, done. And like over on the Marvel side, yeah, like you know, people complain, oh, they need more new superheroes and they should stop changing the old ones and like you know, old ones should be able to die and stuff like that. But like it was really hard to create a new character and have it actually latch. 
And I think it's it's Kamala Khan and it's Miles Morales for Marvel, really. Yeah, I mean, I've just looked up what are the best Marvel characters introduced since the 21st century, yeah. and the list is Sentry, which <laughs> has not caught on. No. like People who is. know love him, but, like, not many people know. <laughs> yes. Morlin, Spider-Man villain. Oh, of course. Oh, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> uh, Jessica Jones, which is, is, is fair. Yeah. I do think. Then it's two teams of the Runaways and the Young Avengers... X twenty three, Amadeus Cho, hmm. Dakin, and then it's Mars and Kamala. And I like, like all of those people, but they are all smaller names than, than and Mars and Kamala. I mean, obviously, the big issue with all of these characters is, hmm, you know what, Miles, Kamala Khan, Dakin, and X twenty three have in common, and Amadeus Cho have in common. <laughs> Not white. Well, I guess X twenty three is, and also, yeah, like 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 taking on the identities of other characters yes yes i mean this is another this is another problem and like people fucking hate kamala like she's beloved but like there is a very loud group of people that really fucking hate her and there are many reasons to do it and one that a lot of them try disingenuously with all these kinds of things not just marvel you see it with tim drake suddenly suddenly being bisexual it's like can't they make a new character that does this why do they have to like riff on an existing one kind of thing or like you know why why can't they come up with a new character why does there have to be a new spider-man you know that kind of thing and like i have a friend well hmm, i have a person i know who when miles was first created and this is a while ago obviously there was like a bbc article about this new black spider-man and by the way he's like black hispanic but that gets left by the wayside a lot of the time because of how these things work it was they are getting rid of Peter Parker. Spider-Man is now black. And he was like, this is bullshit. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa my dude. You're missing the context of they killed a different universe version of Peter Parker and replaced him with another character. Martin Morales will, will never be in the Amazing Spider-Man series until five years after his creation in Spider-Verse. But because, like... well, I mean, you know, he had a burger in his pocket. No, wait, it's normal Spider-Man. That gets to... I can't remember which way around that worked. But yeah. There is, you know, there are people who are just, they are going to hate these non-white, often non-straight characters on Arrival. They're going to hate these, like, especially when you then throw in the legacy aspect, where it's like, it's a black Spider-Man, it's a Muslim, Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, however you want to phrase Carol these days. It's especially funny in this day and age where the thing in comics is, is they will do this a lot. Like, Mm. they did this with all of the big three at Marvel at the same time. Uh, back in kind of like 2014, 2015, yeah. where you got Riri. Riri took over for Iron Man. I guess you could go, yeah, yeah, Riri. You have Jane as Thor. You have Sam as Captain America. And yeah, yeah people were fucking babies about but all three of those. They were babies about all of them, and all of them were like going like, "I want the character who's been around for ages to come back." And it's like we are talking a character with sixty to seventy years worth of history. Yeah. They will come back. That is how this works. Like, there has <laughs> never, ever been a circumstance in which the original character went away and did not come back unless they were, like, unknown or genuinely hated. Yeah. Like, I think the only... Gene Grey is back, Professor X is back, Wolverine is back, and they were like, no, for real, Wolverine's dying. And I was like, 
okay, bro. And I think that lasted what eighteen months, if that. It, it was it was a little. I can't even remember how long the amount of time was now. But like, I just I'm feel think- like they promised with both Wolverine and Professor X, like, no, this is for real. This is not one where we're just going to bring them back in the next event, and then it just did for both of them. I'm just trying to think of like when has a character ever not been the first version? Obviously, there's like debate in the Green Lantern universe mm. where like people really love John Stewart. Yes. They they love John Stewart so much. I think and a lot yeah, there's a vocal John Stewart over Al Jordan. Al Jordan. Yes. Uh, I think the original Swamp thing is Alex Olsen and then Alec Holland is the one that everyone that's knows the one that's now. Um a lot of a lot of Wally West over Barry Allen truthers out but there. But all of those are the ones where the character was the lead of the book for kind of like ten to fifteen years. Yeah. And even then the original version of the character came back. Like Barry Allen comes back in two thousand seven. Green Lantern, Hal Jordan comes back in I can't remember what year that Jeff Johns does his rebirth storyline. But like the reason why John Stewart was so big was because he was also the Green Lantern on the biggest yeah. Justice League television show, which obviously also helps create the image of what it is. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and I used to think, yeah, Jubilee's one of the like top 10 X. Oh, we all thought it, baby. <laughs> Nowhere to be seen for a long time, Jubilee. Jubilee's a fucking vampire these days, isn't she? or is that, <laughs> did that not take in the end? I don't, I don't know if she's a vampire now that the mutants are immortal. Oh, of and... course. <laughs> <laughs> Living on Orgy Fuck Island. Island. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Fuck Island, Orgy Island. Um, uh, you know, right. But, yeah, but all this is to say Miss um, Marvel took over the mantle from Carol Danvers, yes. who in the comic books in kind of 2012, 2013, was basically said, You've been toiling under the title of Miss Marvel for decades. As and a fuck toy for, yes. for dudes, like drawn with the boobiest, buttiest outfits imaginable. And eventually they make the decision to go like, Captain America is going to promote you <laughs> in like one panel of a story to Captain and she will become the Captain Marvel because Captain Marvel had basically been a rotating seat of, of various different characters and we've discussed it on episodes that have discussed Captain Marvel but, mm-hmm. but Carol Danvers has now been Captain Marvel for a decade. She will never ever lose that title. There is a movie based on her in that role. So it's kind of, like it that one has taken root so effectively that it's kind of erased OG Captain Marvel from existence. Occasionally I see some absolute dickhead try to be like, no, the real Captain Marvel was blah blah blah. Shut up. <laughs> it's Captain I mean, now. <laughs> the very fact that Marvel is played by Annette Benning in Captain Marvel <laughs> says how far we are off the beaten path in terms of like Captain Marvel ever being like Yeah realized in live action in the same way like what is really the point in like doing the legwork to establish a white passing alien hybrid man who then dies of cancer and much later his love interest slash daughter figure slash whatever you want to call it eventually gets promoted right that achieves nothing yes but yeah so because carol gets promoted up they basically have a slot where Miss Marvel had been a solo series for a long time. Like I think they were doing kind of like volumes every couple of years for for Miss Marvel. Mm. And, and what have you got to do when you're a giant conglomerate? You've got to keep copyrights established, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Marvel at this time had an editorial group headed by Stephen Wacker, who yeah. who'd come over from DC doing 52, brought over a bunch of creative people, and basically headed up the imprint that was doing Daredevil and Hawkeye. And he had a sub-editor, co-editor called Sana Aminat, who was a Muslim Pakistani woman who basically was like, I don't get to see myself in comics. I want to create a character that does that. 
Fuck in yeah. this in this vacated role, and her and Stephen Wacker basically put together a team to kind of come up with this character, which is why Miss Marvel's got such a or Kamala Khan's got such a, a long credit is these two editors, G. Willow Wilson, who is the lead writer on the early volumes of the series, uh, Adrian Lafona, who drew Runaways, doing the issues, and then Jamie McKelvey, who redesigned Carol, Carol Danvers' suit for Captain Marvel, also designing the costume for Miss Marvel, doing the covers, and so those five people are like the creators of this character. It's a lot more complicated but also you can see how collaborative it all is in terms of like them coming up with this character and as we said like she's immediately successful the biggest downside to her origin is that she is tying into Ike Palmuta's current flavor of the week which was the Inhumans because he was really annoyed that Fox had the X-Men so basically Kamala is sadly lumped as an Inhuman in the comics um, just because that's kind of like it, it works because it allows them to introduce her as a brand new character, but they could have done the exact same thing if she was a mutant. And it yeah. kind of sucks that, that and, she is tied. She's the only human left, really, at this yeah. point. And that. just one more time for the people in the back, designed with the intention of being a mutant. Oh, and like, she hangs out with so many X-Men. Um, I think uh, the first crossover she has with the big Marvel character is Wolverine, like yeah. five issues into the series. Just one of the seven hundred like Wolverine kid sister characters. <laughs> well, exactly because they, they, they've been without one of those for a while. Yeah. Like Armor was the last time he actually yeah, got. Yeah, to, yeah. Oh no, I guess um, Hope was the last time he actually got to have a, a protege. I, mm, yeah, I know, yeah. I know, she hung out more with Cable, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, so she was designed to be. A mutant, and then you know we'll we'll get into all of it. But the big bombshell at the end of this series, before the the mid credit thing, is that she is the first mentioned mutant in the MCU. And again, a lot of people very pissed off about this revelation. It's putting her back where she was always supposed to be. She gets to be the most special one because she's first. You know, rather than like. You are one of, like, 300 Inhumans who are just a lazy copy-paste of X-Men. And, like, you're not really going to fit in with any of the Inhumans characters. And you're going to make way more sense as an X-Man, but fuck it. But yeah, I think it is hugely important that they did come forward and say, straight up, Kamala was supposed to be a mutant. And it, it, it sucks because it means that it kind of takes her away from a lot of the interesting stuff. I mean, it has allowed her to stand on her own. I think she's kind of ended up in that, like, Deadpool territory where it's like, are they a mutant? Are they not? Like, what <laughs> what kind of is their deal? What editorial office do they sit under? And so she's kind of got to escape some of that, which is possibly good for her. It allows her to fit into things that maybe she wouldn't normally fit into. Like, obviously, she is quite often seen in the Spider-Man material yep. because obviously she has a, a close relationship with Mars Morales Peter, she's, and, she's, you know good, she is tr- good little buddy I, of Peter I more mean like, because they were on the Champions I know, I know, they're, like, they're like on natural teams together yeah, yeah, and then she's got to be in the time in between her debut and her live action debut she's been the lead of a video game, which again I mean, look, the video game has many fold issues, but again a large criticism levied at it was putting her on the cover making her the lead of the story people complaining just to yeah i don't i know people listen to this that maybe don't play video games there is a mechanic in that game where you aim 
her fists and then punch like you would a gun. Like you just aim and like I will punch that over there, and her arm like stretches and punches it, and that's just incredible. Yeah, um. I will say Marvel's <laughs> Avengers, a game I haven't played, but yes. I obviously hear a lot of Matt playing it and his disappointment <laughs> in how the game progressed. It's also emblematic of a lot of faults with modern day AAA video games <laughs> in a really interesting way, where it looks like from the outside that that started as a game that was going to center on Kamala Khan, yes, in like a single player adventure game, and then then slowly became no we have to be like destiny with a loot drop system that, that <laughs> game the first half of the story is kamala f- like getting her powers meeting avengers one by one you go and find a broke tony stark living in a trailer and get him to be iron man again you get hulk you, you know you find them all and then it just changes halfway through to a completely different game and then because they probably did the ending first she gets to give the final blow to the boss at the end kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, she has been a lightning rod for bad faith criticism and the show was review bombed and all of the shitty stuff that people do. I mean, there's um, so much shit around it, obviously. Like, she's a Muslim character in yes. a famously Islamophobic Western world at the moment. Yep. Uh, she is a teenage girl. Where is my, my dudes in my Marvel? Yep. Um, it is a teen show, and people did not like that. We know people who turned it off after, like, 10, 15 minutes because <laughs> they did not like what the show was. Yeah. Then she, you've is, got... she is, like, queer adjacent. Like, I, I think Kamala is straight, but, like... Nakia and Zoe like is a thing and a you know, potential spoiler for season two. I think they do like a very there, brief I, I tease was, of it. But there was a thing in the first episode where I thought they were going to have Kamala and Zoe be a thing because right. the way that Kamala acts around Zoe is very yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah, yeah. what's going on here. And then they just give her success in parade of like cute boys that she can. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. they definitely. But, but you know, this is a space. You know, the Miss Marvel verse has been a safe space for. You know, non-het norms. Yes, there have been actual queer characters on screen, even if they haven't been allowed to speak and stuff like that. Like she yeah. interrupts two kids at the at the lockers and goes like, "You're my favorite couple. I'm rooting for you" and stuff like that. And they're mm-hmm. very obviously like queer coded in terms mm-hmm. of their their relationship and whatnot. But then you've also got the Marvel nerds who are like, "Why have they changed her powers from the comic books?" Oh, uh, yeah. In the comic books, Miss Marvel is uh, capable of transforming herself. The debut of her power, she literally turns herself into Carol Danvers. Mm-hmm. She's got stretchy powers in the same way that Mr. Fantastic does. So but I have to assume I've I've just always assumed that is why they did it is they would people would just think that she's a knockoff Mr. Fantastic. Um she does yeah. do it. She gets the giant fists at the end when she gets fully empowered, but they go more with these stepping discs of light and the hard light stuff the green lantern adjacent stuff and you know part of me was just constantly like i want to see her in bigger and i want to see her go stretchy but like it doesn't break the show like no no the powers of miss marvel are not the most important thing it is a shame that they probably will at some point have to introduce it as a power for her in the comics or something because mm. I, I, it just feels like one of those things where like we'll circle around and her power set will change i'm like no i like the the identity kind of panic at the center of miss marvel in that first period where she like where she is uh, a muslim pakistani american and and is dealing with the fact that like she wants to be a white blonde girl yep. <laughs> essentially yeah. uh, is interesting and not really represented here and obviously the other reason they do this is because she has what hasn't been named on screen yet but we can only <laughs> assume the nega bands which will presumably tie her more closely into what's going on with Spectrum and and Captain Marvel in the Marvels, yeah. which whatever, like I I, <laughs> I don't 
mind it it does lead to like the first time that these tv shows actually feature like a cameo that sets up a movie mm-hmm. but it, it like oh, after being teased for ages that like oh benedict Cumberbatch shot scenes for we'll shoot scenes for one division we actually finally get that in this movie yeah. but and it does like, if, if if the marvels came out just a little bit did it get delayed it did. They flipped okay. it, I think, with Ant Man, where I think okay. it was. So a... we should be about to watch the Marvels yes. at the time of this recording. So then that would have been, you know, we talked about it in Doctor Strange, them teasing stuff where we don't know when it's going to resolve. If they'd stuck to that original release date, that would have fit perfectly into what we want more of, of here's a tease six months later, here's the resolution. Yeah, and then, at least we knew what it was teasing as yes. well. Like, I think that's the benefit that WandaVision and this show had, is that like it's very obvious what both of those are teasing, whereas you get to the end of like Black Widow and Falcon and Winter Soldier, and you're like, I don't know when these characters are showing up again. Like They hadn't and announced... It's, yeah, it's a movie we know exists, we've seen the logo, and it's, you know, we have Brie Larson herself fucking popping up. We don't have, like you know, someone from S.W.O.R.D. coming by and mentioning Carol, or like, you know, the back of a costume kind of thing. It's it's actually Brie Larson, and there she is. You know, we're going to spend a long time talking about how fucking great Iman Vellani is, but like, I think that movie is going to be a true test of, does she seem out of place with Brie Larson and Tiana Paris? I think she'll be absolutely fine. Have because... you seen the footage from the cruise? So that was where she unofficially made her costume debut. Uh-huh. Um, so this is some real inside baseball here. There was a cruise for Marvel last year that basically was the first time we got to see the Avengers team because right. it features Miss Marvel, it features Captain Marvel, it features Sam Wilson, it features Ant Man, and they all team up to fight Ultron uh, on a cruise ship. Oh, that fucking thing where it's yes. like hundreds of dollars for a cabin and stuff and you have to yeah yeah and dinner and that but dinner comes with a movie which is filmed by all these people presumably when they were filming there are other projects but they're all in their costumes and it released mm. or like the first teaser screens of it came out kind of like during episode two or three of the show mm. and so it was the first time we saw the miss marvel costume on screen or i know that the movie costume looks a lot worse than the tv costume in my opinion and hopefully she'll come back to the movie, the costume she has in the show. Uh, they do, they do course correct, don't they? Like we know, we everyone hates the Avengers one Captain America costume, and then by the time we get to Winter Soldier and Avengers Age of Ultron, they've kind of figured out like no, the kind of the more realistic, gritty thing rather than the yeah. the tight spandex. I get what they were going like, for though. Like, oh yeah, hundred His vibe, like yeah, like I, what I find um, here, where like I I remember looking her up when she was cast and it's like I, I think she had like literally never acted before and she did a self-tape and then she was in some short films or maybe the it was flipped around but like she had never filmed a full production of anything and she just did a self-tape this is a girl who dressed as uh, Kamala Khan for Halloween and had her friends saying oh are you the Flash and stuff like this and now she's fucking arguing with Kevin Feige about whether it's the 616 or the 199999 <laughs> and all of this stuff and just a fucking little ball of charisma, like an incredible brand ambassador. She is one of us, one of us, deeply cares about this character and Marvel in general. And like, you know, I'm I sure to some people is... that's a little bit off-putting, but like, I I would rather people that want to be there than people who are cash and checks. So 
Yeah. The yeah. funniest thing about it is is that like her letterbox leaked and she's got all the scores <laughs> for the Marvel stuff and you can tell like she loves Iron Man. I think she's got all the Iron Man movies like five stars and stuff like that. Didn't and she then... give Ms. Mar- uh, Captain Marvel a really low score? <laughs> she gave it like two stars. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. It's a bad movie. But she's um... like, she loves Brie. She loves the characters. Just obviously she didn't like the movie. It's just yep. quite adorable that that's the one she's in. So hopefully she... she's bringing that energy of like she's on set and kind of going like, why are we doing this? This isn't going to be good. Like I think I think she basically said that she drives Kevin Feige a bit insane, and like she was like watching One Division on her iPad between takes and stuff because it was new out and stuff like that. You know, Come on, some... Kevin, you can give us screeners. Yeah, you can, you, you yeah. can do that. <laughs> some people, I'm sure, have you know a bit of a mentality of fans belong on the other side of the barrier kind of thing. But like, whatever. She's. I think that like enthusiasm translates to. An incredibly earnest performance and she is as i said she is such a little ball of charisma like the beginning of episode two when she's like got her groove kind of thing and she's she's walking down the hallway to um it's like bad 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 boy isn't it yes um and it's like a redo of episode one but she's confident now kind of thing and yeah she's just so effortlessly good at all of that and she's she can also match the energy of the you know, not to be rude, but you know, the the veteran actors, the big boy actors kind of thing. Um, I, I think the thing with this is uh, both of us are on the same page. That, like, the three best casting things that they did in Phase 4 are Florence Pugh, Iman Vellani, and Hayley Steinfeld. So it's it's those three. And then, you know, you've got Jonathan Majors, you've got Tanner. Yes, um, I more mean, I more mean like the leads, the ones who are going to be... three people who are going to hopefully be in a lot of movies, a lot of shows kind of thing for like, you know... The basis of an Avengers team for several yes. years. I'm like, cool. What an exciting trio of actresses. And and it's but it's interesting that like you have these people. Obviously, Florence Pugh is just kicking off in 2019, and then by the time 2021 rolls around and Black Widow comes out, she is. I, I feel like <laughs> Little Women has had kind of 12 months kind of stew. People are rediscovering Midsummer and all the rest of it, and so she and like she spent the entire pandemic cooking, and so she's like. <laughs> completely popped and now now she is like the biggest female actress in the world she's mm. leading the thunderbolts they are building that movie around her it's a really appropriate follow-up to scarlett Johansson. <laughs> it was this like young ingenue and then like suddenly a massive star but they've got her kind of thing yes and then Haley steinfeld was obviously like casting true grit kind of like bubbled around a little bit and then she she's been more in tv i feel the last yeah. couple of years and then iman is like a find like the purest kind of find that you can get yeah. and you compare it to oscar isaac and tatiana maslani who when they're announced are really exciting mm-hmm. but i feel like the material lets them down and i think that's not the case here with with any of those three and maybe it's because we're more positive on those projects but like no, no, no. i remember us watching this the fact that the first two episodes of this show and being like wow yeah they fucking nailed Here this. we go. Coming off the back of, of Multiverse of Madness. Like, whoa, Marvel are back. And, like, just the littlest touches in that first episode. I'm like, oh my god, someone's actually directing. Like, pulling the camera back when she's crashed her car. Something as, as 
basic as that is a shot that it does not exist in Marvel. Like, yeah, we need we need to shout out um, Adil and Bilal yeah. who who directed episode one and six, I believe. But mm-hmm. episode one is definitely the one that feels like the flashiest in a lot of ways. Like it's mm-hmm. the one with like the texting conversation with all the words popping up on on the road and whatnot. Like there's the uh, the sh- like the one that really jumped out to me on the rewatch was like when she does her driving test yes. and the camera like zooms in on her face in the car and the driving instructor leans forward and goes like that was my car like, like <laughs> there's there's things with the blocking and the yeah. one where that's that's what i'm talking about like is a, we a sh- comedy yeah we never talk about blocking when we talk marvel we don't talk about like the effort to construct a shot we talk about like oh they really went ham on this like visual effect and you can tell they really wanted to nail this one specific second but we never talk about blocking and, and framing and, and camera movement and stuff like that because they don't do it. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because they had more time for this. Obviously, you can tell that they're getting rushed as the show goes on. And like, I mm. by the time we get to episode three, and we're we're at the wedding, and I was just like, oh boy, they're cutting this dance to shreds. Like yeah. they have they've got too much coverage of this, and they keep on cutting. And I'm like, just let them dance. And it's like you probably got like two goes of this, and this is just all that exists because they're on a TV schedule at that point. Do you think Herman can't dance? It might be that Herman can't <laughs> dance, and you try to cut around her. But it, it, it's just. I'm not saying that like episode three is like where it completely falls off a cliff, but episode mm. three is like that's when the djinn are introduced, and it's when yeah. like the plot of the show starts to come up, and it's kind of like where we get into mm. what we were saying at the top, which is like this is where the problems in modern day television start to like mm. infect the show, where like they had a script presumably, but as I said, like they've been working on Miss Marvel debuts in 2013, 2014. You have to imagine that Kevin Feige has sent people off to go like break me a miss marvel story mm-hmm. like like do something involving this character and we'll see what they come in and because they're thinking in that like 2014 2015 2016 2017 mindset disney plus isn't a thing at this point they're not thinking in terms of television they're probably thinking in terms of movie and so you end up with the thing that is happening a lot where these movies become tv shows and they don't have they've got content for two hours mm-hmm. they don't have content for three hours and so one of those hours has to be something else and, and they just it seems so easy to me how you fill that. You just pick characters that aren't the main character and let them be people, and you fill it with character moments and conversations, and you, you make sure Zoe's doing something every episode and stuff like that. And instead, what they time and time and time again do is, what's another idea for a movie we have? Let's just do them both. And literally every goddamn one of the shows, basically since the beginning, I think WandaVision doesn't really do it, but other well, than I, that, I and Loki... Wonder- the ones we like don't really, but the other yeah. big culprit of this is 100% Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier does it, Moon Knight does it, this definitely does it, unfortunately, where it's like, okay, we're doing a story, we're doing a story, off to the side, let's do a different story, and then, whoa, back to where we were, and, like, Zoe literally disappears for two episodes, and then we're supposed to, like, and she's not hugely in the second one. Yeah. So you're, they, they then treat Zoe... As if she's a series regular, she's a huge character, you remember Zoe, right? And it's like, I do, because I think they cast her well, and I think this is a fun group. But I would imagine the average person maybe is like, who's this? <laughs> like, and and just, yeah, like, to, to bench a cast that is so good as well. Um, because and it's not just is- a man. Like, I, the way I phrased it is they can't match the, like, the quality of the heavy hitters of Loki, but they definitely outnumber them. Because, yes. like... The whole friendship group, her whole family, 
Like, they're all really well done. Like, I even like the damage control pair, even if they're sleepwalking. Like, I like the castings um, and what they do there. You know, they get great actors for the flashback scenes in Karachi. Yeah, like, there's plenty of people here, and I'm interested. And when this show is at its best, it's when they're letting these people talk to each other and not trying to be a superhero property. Yeah, the the thing is, is, like, you have episode one, which sets up the entire concept really well. It's a really good... Yeah. pilot episode in which like you have a beginning middle and end in which like she wants to go to avengers con the entire episode is structured around her wanting to go to avengers con she gets to go to an avengers con and then in the, the process of that finds she's got powers like yeah. like the, the stakes excellent. are like is she gonna miss a bus and is she gonna get grounded like and i care more about that than like is the whole world gonna win because thing in the sky that the avengers are ignoring you know <laughs> like... yeah. and, but even like episode two which mm-hmm. is kind of like the, the first two episodes do feel like they're building up to like the wedding and it's mm-hmm. like why is this not like the whole se- why is the finale not at the wedding if this is like yeah. what you're building up to and you have like like stuff which is just so charming like the yeah. the date between uh, Kamala and and Kamran is is so endearing. Like when, they two when of them... she meets him and comes home and has the "Be My Baby" number, and like you know, there's. I feel like so many people have done this. It's lost its magic a bit, but it's still magical. Of like when someone's doing a musical number, and then the music has to cut out for a second because someone's wandered in, and then we're back to it, kind of thing. And yeah, I, I love all of episode two is by far my favorite one. Like I, I just think you get the full range there. I I love I do like the world building of Avengers Con and like making it feel like a lived in world with consequence to all these movies we watch where like people are cosplaying as characters and stuff and 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 all of that kind of thing. Um, but for me too, the the combination of like her being so smitten with Kamran and like the the the, the hallway thing I mentioned before going to Eid, um, and, and, like, Bruno, like, engaging with Eid and Muslim culture and everything, and then her, like, saving a kid, like, all of it. And even even giving Nakia, like, the subplot of, like, running for the mosque I, board and all the rest of it. Absolutely then. love it. The, wh- aside from, like, the whole it's two things and the clandestine suck, my biggest criticism with, like, the bits I like is that Nakia's thing kind of gets dropped, because it yeah. was such a good little story. Yeah, it's like a nice little B-plot, and it's yeah. like, boy, you could do a show about, like, yeah. being a female Muslim in America, so you're dealing with the kind of the clashes of these two cultures and yeah. whatnot, and meanwhile, you're also defending your own culture against the oppressive Islamophobic American yeah. government and, and whatnot. And, like, you know, just something really fucking obvious and simple that, like, the the room where the women wash their feet and everything is, like, run down and dirty, and the men's one is not, and... And that kind of thing. And we should also say, like, Moon Knight gets this credit for, like, representation of modern Egypt. It can eat shit to what Ms. Marvel did. Because, like, two episodes in Karachi, like, yeah, they're worse than the episodes in New Jersey. But it does way more to make Karachi feel like a modern goddamn place that isn't just the sepia tone that Hollywood throws on any foreign country. And, And the Muslim representation in general, like, you know, we are two white people. So, like, you know, don't take my word for it. Like, I tried in the, in the recaps on Marvel Mondays. I was I was trying to include screenshots of tweets from South Asian people I follow who are like, yes, this rules, this is amazing, this makes me feel great, you know. like, And yeah, like, they, they weren't afraid to not dumb it down for white people. There are times they speak in Urdu quickly and they don't translate it for you. And you know what? You pick it up with context clues, what things mean and customs. And it's like... 
it's such a low bar and it's Disney and they are an evil corporation, but I am still pleasantly surprised they did it. Yeah, like they obviously have people who care board in this show and i think that's kind of the other i'm not going to say death knell because i'm that would imply that the stuff <laughs> in pakistan is kind of like atrocious it's not it's, it's not. just it's just too much busy work in this season it's like what you're doing is really interesting and and it feels similar in some ways to to what watchman was doing with mm-hmm. the tulsa riots and whatnot where it's like let's shed a spotlight on a bit of history that maybe people don't know about. Yeah, the partition. Like the the yeah. partition. And the the aspirations, the the thought behind it are all incredibly well intentioned. Yeah. But it just it's a third of your season. Yeah. Was you it, only have six episodes. Was it Alan um Seppenmall who was like Karachi should have just been the second season? I, I probably I, like, th- I think it was. And like I couldn't agree more. Like there's plenty in the Pakistan episodes to like. I just I think it all would have hit better if you gave it the full season and you did the whole of the first season in Jersey. And something you would lose there that I did like is her building her costume from patchwork, from like things she's getting from here and there. Like she gets the sash from the the Red Daggers, yes. She gets like the scarf from them and she gets the mask from over here and she get you know, like she's piecing her costume together with organic things she's picking up on her journey. So you'd have to find a slightly different route to that if you didn't go to Karachi but like yeah like it you know we we end this season with Bruno's gonna go to college far away it seems really obvious to me that you're like okay why don't we have one big summer adventure together before Bruno goes so off the three kids go to Karachi and maybe Zoe goes too I don't know and then just do the full season there like yeah yeah that's that is my frustration it's not that like three things good, three things bad, it's that you are making both worse by not giving them six. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing, is like, you can have the red daggers if you want to have the red daggers in this season. Like, it'd be <laughs> fun to have, like, a little, like, not even a love triangle, like, it's a love quadrangle. Mm-hmm. If you've got three boys who are all into Kamala, <laughs> you've got Bruno, who's been her best friend for life, you've yes. got Kareem, who is training her to fight Cameron's people and whatnot. Yes. Like, there's there's ways. Shout out can... to Aramis Knight as the world's only uh, into the Badlands fan. <laughs> um, but he it could is... not do the accent, but bless him for trying. <laughs> it's just annoying that it's like you have yeah. like the the looks that Bruno and Cameron have together in episode two, mm-hmm. and then it's completely sidelined till episode six or whatever when they have to team up to yeah. like to to fight the the uh, damage control and whatnot. And yeah. it's like, boy, this show could have been a fun almost like marvel version of buffy the vampire slayer yeah in some ways absolutely and and it's it's just like you do a monster of the week kind of thing and it's it's that it's that issue and it again is this is where i get to do my like big rant now i feel which (laughs) is that like so we've discussed that i used to be the tv guy you did i watched fucking every tv show that i could get my hands on i would watch network i would watch like streamers i watch cable i'd watch every single thing that i could possibly do the big reason why i fell off was because my partner was just like you're watching too much and i want to watch a lot of it so we're going to tamp down on that now we live together was a big reason (laughs) kind of 2017 but it also organically kind of stemmed from a point of view where like 2017 is the year of like twin peaks return it's the year of the leftovers final season and it is also 
the year that like it feels like the bloom is off the rose fully with Game of Thrones. And yeah. I'm I'm not saying and it's also probably the last time that Netflix was doing content that was good and not just doing content for content's sake. And I think that kind of like the end of a show I really cared about, a show that was kind of the the center point of the narrative kind of like falling off a cliff and then the overwhelmingly dominant source of all conversation around television feeling like they're they're done creatively or like for every five shows they release maybe one of those is good was kind of like this point where i was like okay i'm gonna back off tv a bit and then i would kind of like see people talking about these shows and i would kind of like voice some criticisms and i would get a lot of pushback from it but it feels like what happened was i was seeing warning signs that have now become like clacks and horns that lots and lots (laughs) of people are like reacting to and stuff like that where it feels like television has gone from a thing that likes the idea of an episode to a thing that is likes the idea of a season where like a season is a pilot or a season is what a movie script should have been and we're getting more and more miniseries and less and less of those like four to five seasons worth of character development and growth and thematic weight and all these things i really really love and now shows make it to two seasons and then get unceremoniously cancelled or their commissions as a miniseries in in the case of this show you're, you're absolutely right and like you think about i mean you just mentioned buffy like i think Basically, everyone of a certain age remembers there was an episode of Buffy in complete fucking silence, mm-hmm. and and just TV shows used to do. It feels it feels har- harsh to call them gimmick episodes, but like I can vividly call to mind five, six, seven episodes that are like oh boy, that episode where they did that for like so many great shows, and that is almost gone, and it's replaced with just like you know there are there are scenes. Of, you know, of, of good stuff in TV, but like someone wanting to craft a, a an episode, like Community is full of them, and like yeah. it, 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 in many ways, it's it hung its hat on paintball and stuff like that. But then, like the problem is, like you know, you show someone paintball who's never seen Community, and they're like, okay, yeah, it's funny. It's like, no, no you don't get it. It's normally like that. You have to show them the rest for paintball yes. to be special. <laughs> Yeah, 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 you end up with this thing where, like, and it's why, at the moment of discussing this, it's why Last of Us mm. is refreshing as, like, yeah. the TV show of the moment, because that is a TV show structured in episodes. Yes. And even when you have a case where, like, obviously episode three is the one that everyone went went crazy over, which is very much the definition of, like, a uh, detour episode, or however you want to kind of, like, refer to it in terms of, like, it's an episode focused on characters who are not the main focal point of the show. But even when you get down to like four and five, four and five are a two part episode functionally, yeah. but both have distinctive point of view characters who are driving the momentum of those episodes, even whilst fulfilling the narrative com- uh, completion of the, of the show. And you compare it to, and I think, I mean, obviously a big issue is streaming, dumping everything on one day. You end up with this kind of idea of like, I don't want to be too dismissive, but this kind of like low, calorie viewing perspective where like i don't mind if the 40 minutes of this show aren't very filling if the last five minutes is something that gets my dopamine running that i want to watch the next episode like the the, The big twist the big this character died the big this person turned on that person that's that's then resolved in like two minutes at the start of the next exactly The but fake like, cliffhangers kind yeah, of thing. All built around kind of like getting you to do just one more episode, just one more episode. Which is yeah. why it's always so sad to me when people go like, I'm waiting to binge The Last of Us. And I'm like, oh, but the beauty of it is you get to go away and like mull over it for yep. a week. Like Absolutely. it's fun 
for me to go and have a conversation with someone and then a few days later get to have like another another thought about the episodes popped into my mind so yeah. I can shoot a message out about that. Like Absolutely. it's fun. I love the sense and, like, of you know, it, it is a bummer when like there's a dud episode and you're like, I've got to wait a week for another one versus like well, that one sucked, but I'll just keep watching. But then, like, you do absolutely lose that, like, just really noodling on it and thinking, oh, or, like, just talking to someone and you're like, oh, I didn't think about that. And that just goes when it's like, yeah, I watched all of Daredevil season three in a week or whatever. Oh, you've not started it yet. Okay, maybe when you finish it, we'll circle back to it. And then by the now time I've forgotten everything I think about it because the next bright flashing thing is in front of my face. Content yeah. as, like, something to consume. Daddy made you some content, open wide. Exactly. <laughs> And oh, and you have this thing where like I feel like the last ten years mm. in television, I think there was very obviously a kickback against the idea that like why the fuck are all these shows twenty four episodes? <laughs> Network TV, <laughs> Network TV about twenty four episodes felt untenable. Obviously, yeah. you have the thing where like people will now devour entire seasons of The Office. Like they will just yeah. rewatch The Office and Friends and whatnot. Um, but it definitely was people going like twenty four episodes is too long. That's too many episodes. Don't like it. Well, like, I I tried to like coming off the back of Twin Peaks and stuff like that I was like oh we should just really do a big rewatch of X-Files I'm like oh boy 22 episodes a season like 5 seasons I know there are shorter seasons it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like 7 seasons though of the X-Files or whatever oh no it's 11 when you include the like revival seasons yeah, as well yeah, yeah. and then there's 2 movies and it's like and I'm just like oh boy <laughs> I know there are really good ones in here I've seen a lot of it but like ooh <laughs> I don't know I mean, if I can do that. <laughs> it's the same thing with me, where it's like, I watched Supernatural for a while. I watched yeah. the first five seasons, really, really dug it. And then I kind of like fell off the boat after six and seven. And then I was like, right, when they announce a finale, I will circle back to it. By the time <laughs> they'd announced the finale, they had done more episodes than you had seen. Than I had seen. <laughs> I feel like that show was quietly ticking in the background and then suddenly exploded into the most popular thing with like vaguely emo people <laughs> it, it was it was all on tumblr if you weren't on tumblr right. you weren't you weren't being exposed to it it gotcha. was like the the back in like 2010 2011 the super yeah, yeah, yeah. days of <laughs> supernatural doctor who and and sherlock of course oh jesus um uh, <laughs> a simpler time <laughs> yes but i think what happened over the last 10 years was the 24 episode thing died yep. and everyone kind of settled on you know what's good 10 to 18 episodes mm. is kind of the sweet spot like you get a slightly longer season you do like 10 to 13 probably like game of thrones at 10 feels like enough time for you to stretch your legs to have episodes that feel like episodes and the other thing i think that really hurt it is game of thrones was the most popular fucking show on television yeah. and game of thrones was not as elegant in juggling its cast as a lost was right. and so you have this thing where every episode of game of thrones has to feature every single cast member. Yeah, and it's where like the books really have them over the show is it's fine to bench Daenerys for a whole book. You absolutely fucking cannot not show Amelia Clark for even 60 minutes. <laughs> yes, but the thing is she'll show up for three minutes of an episode maybe and progress her plotline a little bit. Yeah. And it's the big structural problem that Game of Thrones gets to come away with because at least for the first kind of like four to five seasons the writers have a very good template that they're playing from and yeah. you, there's enough content where like when you're adapting kind of like a chapter of a character every two episodes you can sprinkle in like the events of what's happening yeah. regularly and, and they feel climactic because it's a chapter of a fucking book yeah and where benching characters in the books allows them to bring new people in the show is like more hesitant to bring people in because 
I don't know if we've got time for all of these, and then they eventually do it, and they're like, you know, merging characters, heavily abridging characters, bringing characters in that are just going to be there for one season, kind of thing. It just, it just doesn't feel as satisfying yeah. as, like, you know, uh, by the end of, of reading the books up to where they are at this point, like, the characters I cared more about, like, don't even exist in the show. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're too far gone, it's too much of a television yeah. show that they just can't adapt it in that way. There's no time to explain Frog to you at this point. <laughs> and so you have this thing where like game of thrones is the most popular thing in television there's yeah. nothing more popular than it. it's the biggest most sprawling cast that looks like fucking movies yes obviously not quite as expensive and then you have streamers going like we need to release more and more stuff and they're copying the most popular thing on television which therefore means seasons are novelistic yeah. you're gonna have multiple characters multiple storylines every fucking episode well at least game of thrones did episodes on occasion yes okay <laughs> ultimately like like blackwater is obviously still like a, a very well-remembered episode of game of thrones kind of yeah. like a good early rallying point for the show and then because of those two things and then because game of thrones is so big budgets start ballooning mm. and then because of that you start doing less episodes because you can't contract the people you want to get and like celebrities doing it because the project's lining up and it's like television becomes this like fulcrum point of everything that's going wrong where like we're doing less episodes we've got less writers in the room so we kind of like you're not able to bounce off a, a multi-season television show quite as well the actors are bigger which means that you you can have a big a better cast so the budgets go up but then you can only shoot a season every like 36 months or whatever yeah. because they're big actors and they don't just settle down for one project and whatnot and i would say about once a month when watching something whether it's new or i just haven't seen it before i go oh are they going to do the whole episode with just this location or just these characters and then they disappoint me by not doing that like there'll be a really long prologue with just these two characters in just this one place i'm like oh they're gonna do it and then title card hits and we go meet everyone else i'm like ah. Oh. <laughs> and that's kind of the world that miss marvel finds itself in yeah. which is this world of like budgets are big like we know the budgets for these are big but the thing is it's kind of like 70 million dollars or whatever spread across six episodes so each episode only costs like 10 million dollars which is why they don't look 100 percent great and whatnot mm. and like yeah, basically... they, they get a lot of style points out of this show Yes, hundred percent. I'm, I'm not saying the show looks bad. I'm just saying that it's it's that thing of like they have the budget of an indie movie per episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's why the episode runs are shorter. I'm like, boy, if this was an eight episode show in the style of like a Misfits or like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like some, something like yeah. that, like do teens in in high school with with love triangles and whatnot. Yep. And instead, the show has to go, let's abandon ship and go to Pakistan. Yeah. To a third or halfway through the show where you get one episode where you introduce to an entire cast of brand new characters who really don't put in enough kind of like of a of an impact for you to remember them um the fact that the episode cuts halfway through to like the clandestine tied up in in yeah. by damage control who then magically make it make their way to pakistan <laughs> And then they, I guess we we need like they suck like they are some of the worst villains they've ever done and like they feel like they are literally interrupting the fun every time they turn up. I think the first time they show up, it's good because the first yeah. time they show up, it's Najma, uh, played by uh, Nimra Busha, who mm. who shows up and she is Cameron's mother. Yep, that's fine. This is this is Kamala meeting the mother of the boy she's got a crush on, mm. and you're like, ooh this is fun and then she's like she opens her mouth and goes like i have exposition for you and you're like <laughs> oh you killed it we are the clandestines we are the noir we are the 
what else do they call them? Like the the gin, the, the gin. I think they're also based on no wait, the clandestines are that group where yeah, it's, it's this really niche comic group and like. You know, here's eight of them, seven of them don't have names, they will die one by one, you won't even notice it. Like, they'll lose two-on-one fights to teenagers, and they're just fucking ridiculous. Like, the, <laughs> the scene where they break out from damage control, yeah. and, like, because Cameron had betrayed them to, def- to, to protect Kamala in the previous episode, like, yeah. he's, like helping them out, he's like being wounded and stuff like that and his mother's just like, no, we abandon him and yeah, it's like, you've invested nothing into this to make this interesting and, because... then, and then they try and bring it all back because they're like oh, is he going to turn on Kamala because of what happened with his mum and like, you know, her dying wish is to protect him and it's like, but what did we just do five minutes ago? Like... It's, the, it's the fact that they're introduced at yeah. the start of episode three Yeah give you all that exposition. By the end of the episode, they revealed us the villains, and then by the end of episode four, they've broken out of prison and ended up in Pakistan, and then basically set up the end game for them. They've got that one extended chase sequence across Pakistan that ends with them sending Kamala back in time to 1942. No, it's not... No, it's not... It's like 1947 they sent her back to. Uh, Yes. And it's like, boy, you've given... The thing that we always complain about, like, they're one, there's too many of them for yeah. them to have any personality. Cameron gets personality because Cameron got scenes with Kamala where they're flirting. Mm-hmm. Like, boy, that's good. Yeah. Like, you've given him personality. Everyone else yeah. is just, just their villain motivations, and that's it. That's yeah. the extent of their entire personality is, I want to do this, and everyone going to them, mm, that sounds bad, don't do that. Yeah. No, we've got this researcher that says it bad. Yeah, exactly. They're just mahaha evil villains. They are here to do fight scenes and then vanish until they're next needed. Um, and they're not even important for the ending because they're all neatly tucked away so that it can be back to damage control, you know, racially profiling <laughs> like teenagers in New Jersey kind of thing. And the the thing interesting is- stuff. The stuff where like damage control are conflicted because... Stewie, sorry, Cleary <laughs> is like, hmm, maybe don't be uncool about the Muslim part of this. <laughs> and like, oh, that's interesting. Give me some palace intrigue with damage control. But no, they get to appear at the very end of episode one, be in episodes two and three, vanish until episode six, except for the brief, oh, they broke out. Although, do you even see the two agents? You don't see the, you don't see the two agents. Is I think like... you see them at the end of five when Catherine's <sighs> been okay. like, chased by the drone, possibly. Maybe, but yeah, it's just, just let it both, let both breathe. Because like, you know, what we were just saying, like the, the flashback with, with Kamala's grandparents or great-grandparents, I can't remember how it ended up working. I think great-grandparents. That should have been the whole episode. Yeah, like, it's 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 a like a shorter episode than normal. Yeah, it's like the first twenty minutes, and then it's kind of like ten minutes of Kamala being back in time, yeah. doing the Ouroboros thing of like she's she's completed her goal. She's guided her her grandmother to to the rest of her family so that like the timeline can continue. It wasn't her great grandmother that was doing it that was producing the stars and whatnot. And it's a sweet moment, but it's like. Why is this all in one episode? Because then the episode has to go back and then wrap up the clandestine, and then it has to go back to New Jersey and mm-hmm. introduce the the stakes for the final episode. And you're like, yeah. why is the episode five what should have been like like if you are going to insist on doing an episode set in the partition, do an episode set in the partition. Yeah. Like if you if you're not going to wait till season two 
and you want to sh- like shed a light on this piece of history, you needed to have the real estate available for you to do this in, in an episode yeah. and have it be the focal point of an episode, even if it involved Kamala having to spend time with her great-grandmother and great-grandfather, which potentially would have made it more weighty because yeah. she is getting to interact with these two characters and, and find out about them and maybe learn about her yeah. what her existence is from her great-grandmother. Yeah, almost. and like seeing tells and weird little behavioral tics that this person does that you recognize in yourself you know that kind of thing like the way they do that the in back to the future when marty and george both do the thing with the back of their hair in the same way you know that kind of stuff and yes yeah and like you know again pakistan not bad pakistan just like needed more time yeah um, that's things like uh, why is this six episodes why is yeah. this not eight ten episodes why why yeah. your marvel so insistent on this being the length of time that these run yeah. for because even when you include she hulk and and wandavision in this i think the run times are the same on all of them i'd have to go and like have a look at them but the fact that like even the the 20 minute shows go to nine episodes and they have like one bumper 50 minute episode yeah you like... just change the point you artificially chopped it up yeah exactly <laughs> um and and like the pakistan stuff does bring up another like this is the third in the trilogy of like terminological like messiness because we introduce dimensions which exist on top of each other kind of like they come from the nor dimension and it's like so we now have timelines like universes like parallel universes and we have dimensions and we still don't know if those are three separate things all the you, same thing you two of one assume, and one of the other like we you don't have know to assume that dimension is different because the fact that like they turn into crystals when they try to go back inside <laughs> or whatever and but yeah, yeah it is it is getting confusing where you're stacking all these things and you're like you're not giving clear definitions like yeah. are people from other dimensions going to start showing up by the time we get to yeah. to secret wars yeah. like is a dimension the same thing as in yeah. thor with like the, yes, the with, nine with, realms with which nine i realms. believe thor kind of explains as they they sort of exist on stacked on top of each other but it, that doesn't matter but it's like it is emblematic also of like the stakes are so much higher in episodes four and five than they are in one two three and six like why why are the stakes higher before the finale than the finale kind of thing it just feels like a much bigger problem and i don't want them to do end of the world stories but if you're gonna do one don't do it in season one like just give me the like she's on the run from big government because that works everyone I mean, relates to even- that I don't even mind the clandestine being in it. I think I just mm. don't like them being the big villains because yeah. there is an interesting thing of them being the race that Kamala is from yes. and being frustrated that they're stuck on Earth. Mm. And then you have what could essentially be a kind of Romeo and Juliet romance with like Red yeah. Dagger and and Kamran and stuff like that, where she's trying yeah. to figure out which one of these two boys that she really likes. Absolutely. One of whom is embedded to trying to kill her to kill her species <laughs> or whatever. Like there is tension you could mine and make this a teen show. And instead, they've partitioned, not to <laughs> term, this into two very separate yeah. like things. And you're leaving behind... Yeah, you're Pakistan leave- doesn't affect New Jersey. Yeah, at exactly. all. And you're leaving behind Bruno, you're leaving behind Nakia, you are leaving behind her father, her brother, Zoe, Damage Control, like, all these good, interesting people. Like, you know, her dad doing... Pakistani Hulk is wonderful. Um, <laughs> is this where we bring up the sexual assault allegations? Oh my god, no, what? <laughs> um, yeah, Mohan Kapoor uh, last year, I believe, a, a 15-year-old or 16-year-old uh, okay. basically said that uh, they had he had sexed her pictures of his penis. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, not not great. Okay, uh, didn't know. My this bad. Is, uh, he is he is Hindi Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, <laughs> he does Doctor Strange in all the movies. Uh, this was kind of like him getting to be cast in this in like a role. But yeah, like uh, allegations. Um, okay, right. Him. Well, forget that. But like you know, the brother like it starts off as just he is perfect older brother, barely talks, and then like you know him having cold, you know, not cold feet about his 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 fiance but cold feet about like can i provide for this woman am i financially stable and having that conversation and he becomes a deeper character and yeah. giving a heart to heart to kamala and like the same with the mother where it's like okay she's overbearing mother i get it and then by the end of it like you know she's uh reconciling with her own mother and like she is so proud of kamala and like just it's all so good and yeah i mean i i love the scene in episode two and i keep going back to this camera date because this camera date is kind of to me like <laughs> the, the 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 heart of what this show should have been why is nobody going on dates in marvel we're why asking the it... questions why is no one making googly eyes at each other and like but when the brother comes into that date yeah. and they're just like he's our cousin Mm-hmm. Don't you remember him? And then, like, the fiancé is just like, mm, sure, no, <laughs> I call bullshit. And then by the end of it, Kamala's brother was just like, yeah, I remember you. Here's the nickname that we gave you, definitely. Yeah. And, like, it's yeah. just, it's good, fun, yeah. goofy like, stuff that I wish there was more of. Yeah, Even, like, the Sheik at, at the at the mask, like, is such a good, wise character. And, like, I like that her brother's fiance is a black muslim you know like like let's not forget that like muslims are not a specific thing like many people are muslims including g willow wilson is a white muslim right mm-hmm. yeah and like i the school is good the teachers are well done like i do like the principal yeah Again, like they have all these characters they set up in the first couple episodes, and you're mm. like, boy, you're setting up like a really interesting, diverse, yeah. like cast that you can fall back on for any short like thing, and then immediately it's just like, here yeah. are the cousins, here's this other family, here's the red daggers, yeah. uh, the clandestine are around all the time. And you're like, <laughs> oh, uh, okay. And that's why I say they could have had it all because like what this show started out as, and what it it tries to finish as it, but they also have to do the obligatory like shitty looking CGI special is a show i desperately desperately want to watch and it's like moon knight pisses me off because of how just tore up from the floor up it it, like every decision is wrong basically ms marvel is so close to being right (laughs) i i I genuinely think episode one and episode two of miss marvel are the best episodes of marvel television probably like just in terms of like knowing what they should be yeah and committing to that. I think, like, Loki's a better overall season. They're a better yeah. overall season than this because of, like, what episode four, episode five kind of, like, dropped the ball on in their way. Yeah. Like, like for me, you know, yeah. this this is below Loki. For me, it's also below Hawkeye. I guess I could go back and forth on WandaVision, but, like, it is kind of ironic that it is, you know, forever joined at the hip with Captain Marvel because coming out of Captain Marvel, I'm like, that movie sure was super compromised, but I'm so happy... That Carol is here, and it's kind of that effect again. Where I'm so pleased Kamala is in live action, and like there's so much here to love. And like, I really hope the inevitable second season does. Like, <laughs> the problem is that once she's in a movie and she goes to space, 
and she's potentially in an Avengers film before there's a second season of this or something. Can you put the genie back in the bottle and but do yeah. a New Jersey story? I think you can. But, but that's the thing is like, yeah, it's just it's just frustrating on so many levels where it's like you have this, you ha- you know, you have six episodes, and for whatever reason, you decide a two episode jaunt to Pakistan <laughs> with an entire new cast is what you need to do, rather than going like maybe we should fill these two episodes with being a television show, continuing the strains of the cast that we've got. And the one that reminds me of most in Marvel is a show we've not discussed yet is is She-Hulk in terms of, boy, there is a layup conceit to this show. (laughs) You have the cast, you have a structure that has been like on television, in comics for decades. But the game has changed, Ben, and now players are taking three-point shots on the fast break with a man advantage, and it's just really... Sorry, you said layup. I assumed you knew about basketball. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, no, it is this thing where like it feels like the impulse is to have every episode be yeah. like like a mini, a, talk a, worthy. Yeah, like or like be a mini movie or yeah. like like let's try let have this feel like it's multiple movies stapled together. It's like no, I want you to be a television show that yeah. acts in a way that a television show does. You have a cast of 10, 15 people that you keep employed and you can bounce to for yeah. things that you need to happen in every episode. Yeah. I don't need Gimme like, Gimme the episode where Nakia like it it's election like it's polling day or on the musk board you know the results are in give me that as like oh, that's what's the a this? story iman is busy having to do kind of like stunts or whatever it is so she's not available to shoot do an entire episode give me bruno yeah. trying to like like figure out some stuff in the background in the library or whatever yeah. like and like you, you have these things to fall back on when you structure them like a movie yeah. you end up in this situation where like you you can't do the things that television can do and do well and has done for decades yeah yeah, yeah. And like, uh, just just to quickly say this, just to say it, Matt Lintz was a finalist to play Spider-Man for Marvel. You can tell why. Just being a good fucking kid goes a long way for me. Um, and I, I think he made what could be a really shitty character of like best friend that's secretly in love with her and then becomes really jealous kind of thing. That could be an awful character. And I think he made him just a nice boy who remains charming throughout and... You know, it might end up playing in that space, and we'll we'll see what happens. But like, yeah, he was really good. I I've really loved Yasmin Fletcher as Nakia. I love the chemistry between her and Iman. Like the little looks, the 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 pet names for each other, the the trust, the love when they're sort of going through those. Oh, the, the the scene where like Nakia comes in, she's obviously very upset and stuff like that, and then Kamala goes like, "Oh, did you just realize you can never be as good a dancer as me?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it feels like such a like actual lived in. Yes friendship moments because like the immediate response is not to kind of like be insulted but to stand back and say I'm amazing shut the fuck up kind yeah, of like yeah, is yeah, the immediate yeah. response of like that playful banter that yeah. you get they, between friends they feel like real friends they call each other baby and, and like you know they, they have the like coded thing of like doesn't she have to pretend she's getting her period yeah she can't tell her about her powers and just stuff like that and like friends has become just a thing where like dudes just do a fist bump and like die for each other and that's what friends are it's like no friends is like giving each other shit but like it's in a in a foundation of like love and trust and they have that and uh, yeah so pissed off they benched her for two episodes yeah um, um so i think we have so obviously creator of the, or the creator of the show however far we can say that at this point because it's so hard to tell with these <laughs> tiny writers rooms that kind yeah, of like yeah. that, that, that get disbanded before the show starts shooting bisha k ali Yep. who worked on Loki, yep. uh, wrote, wrote Lamentis, was the executive story editor on that one, was the head writer on this. The issue is 
our least favorite Marvel writers mm. show up literally at the point where <laughs> the clandestine show up is yes. the thing and kind of like it almost feels like they should have written episode five. Yeah. Um, we're talking AC Bradley and Matthew Chauncey, the yeah, wife people the who cannot it. write for shit, just showing up and just really I, you have pissing to in our cereal. They, are, they <laughs> know Marvel lore, and that's the reason yeah. why they come in at the point where they do. They're the and, people, you know, like we saw it happening with Ant Man and Spider Man, where like you see three teams of writers and one of them is clearly there to adhere to Marvel style and that's yeah. what they're here doing. are the here are the joke punch up guys and then you've got the like <laughs> like there are very obviously like little pockets of Marvel where they have the people they've trained who, yes. who write the, the Marvel program. Script. Yeah exactly and and I think it's not very yeah. effective. Nope. I think I we can, would we can let, I think you need to make law consultation available to these people but you need to let them do their thing. Um, and like not not to say that like because obviously it's like Ashley Brady, uh, I believe that they're being credited now on on a, on a future project. And Matthew Chauncey, like okay. I'm sure they're lovely, talented people. I'm sure, like who can who can light up a room with their ideas. All of their work for Marvel has been the right. thing. Like like I when we were watching this, we were like, oh boy, is this going to fall off a cliff? The moment that yeah. that these two people start writing yeah. on the show, and and again. Not to disparage them personally or anything like that. I, it is just a little bit like, oh God, you've you come into a show that felt like it was cooking, and the Marvel house style is the thing that's brought this down. Like the the we have to have a villain that we can punch, yeah. as opposed to the spectre of Islamophobia in this country. Yeah. And will I have a date to prom? <laughs> I mean, I think you can tell from how energetic we have been for the last hour like we really love the parts of the show that are good it is a real shame that they trip over their own feet because marvel i really hope they can focus it in a bit more and give us the show we were enjoying and and, and is in here for a future season i think it goes without saying aman Vellani is straight onto the all marvel list absolute slam dunk of a pick oh yeah there's no no question i don't think anyone else gets to the level in the show yeah. Like there are people who like I feel like if they'd had more time, if the show had been a television show instead <laughs> of rejecting its cast episodes yeah. to keep harping on that point, then maybe we would have like given more people yeah. more Marvel performances for this thing. But I don't think anyone kind of gets yeah. enough juice to kind of take them to that level where like it like, again, the mother is probably the closest yeah. in this. And obviously part of that is like She's in every episode. She's in every episode. <laughs> she is kind of like the main antagonist, functionally, of, kind I, of a lot of it. Where right. like the, the entire show is. That's the other thing is that, like, I like it when the villain isn't actually a villain, it's an antagonist. And I know that sounds like the same thing, but it's not. And it's yeah. like her parental pressures and boundaries and stuff, and, and the culture clash of she wants Kamala to want to get married and like dresses and, and all of this stuff. And she, she wants doesn't. her to be normal because of, like, the things that happened to her, her to her mother. And it's, it's so... Yeah. Like, it's such an interesting perspective where it's like, you live in a world in which all of these magical things existed, and your mother has a story from her childhood involving stars that apparently got her shunned from her community, <laughs> and it's like... It has the kind of the same energy as, like, your grandmother was autistic and back in the day they just <laughs> hit you if you... You know, like, it, it's that kind of a deal. And, like... You know, to learn that she's hardcore into Bon Jovi and actually she was kind of a cool young girl herself. Anyway, Aman is straight on. Like, I could drum up an argument where, like, the entire supporting cast are tied for in a Guardian-style 
other pit. But I, I'm not. I, I'm not doing it. I'm not. The doing thing it. is, I, I, I would buy into it again without yeah. Pakistan. If yeah, this yeah, had yeah. been an actual like show, <laughs> show, and we just went like Kamala's family and friends yes. get on the list, I'd probably be all over yeah, that. Yeah. It's just the fact that like they get undercut by those two episodes that just feels like... Oh. And the world where we're able to make that pick is probably the world where we say Ms. Marvel's the best show they've made overall. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it'd be slam dunk. It'd be a slam dunk if yeah. they just... If they carried on that momentum and energy from episode one and two yeah. to the next to the next four. It's like an alley-oop. Like, they're throwing it up and then she's dunking it down. It's a yeah, and I don't, I don't know if it's like because they're churning out all this content so yeah. fast and whatnot, which, which hopefully they're turning around now. They've had yes. like the... The, the Disney's had like this terrible quarter, and they're obviously doing these some some awful layoffs. Um, but it sounds like well, it, it sounds like both good and bad news. Where it sounds like they want to do less, but they want to do more IP stuff. And it's like no less and less IP stuff. You don't need to <laughs> hang it around. Are you saying like do like an Iron Man? And I'm not saying Iron Man four, but you know, do more of the big stuff and don't take risks, kind of thing. Or... Yeah. Like when they said that like Avatar is now a franchise we're pinning our hat to, it's like, no! Yeah, this is what happened with Star Wars, my guys, and just because you give me Andor once every now and then, I'm not going to overlook that you did Solo and <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. And Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and Obi-Wan the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> and Mandalorian <laughs> bored me after two episodes. I gather it gets better, but... <laughs> yeah, but then everyone didn't like those other two shows, and it's like, yeah. what yeah. are we doing here? But... Yeah. Um, yeah, there is there is a world where this is the best show, yeah. and it's a shame that it isn't because this is the one yeah. that I feel like I'm I'm carrying the flag for. Like I want, <laughs> I'm right with you. I just, I like, just, I want season two of this more than any other show that they've done. Like Loki's Loki obviously got the benefit of being structured like a fucking TV show. It got to be yeah. made like an actual TV show. This one should have had a season two announced immediately, yep. and it should have had a season two announced immediately with like eight episodes or whatever. Yeah, so I'm on straight on the clandestine. Don't even bear talking about literally like top five. Do we want to discuss five kind of villains. Like, Do we? What do we think of Damage Control and what do we think of the mother? Like as as those two kind of like secondary things where like they're butting heads. With. I mean, if the mother had stayed an antagonistic force, I'd I'd listen to the argument. But the fact that by like episode four she's come around and it's interesting. Damage Control seemed to be all over the place because they're in She-Hulk, which we'll get to. And I think they're set to be part of some other future thing. Yeah, I mean, again, give me a world where those two agents are in every episode and I can learn more about them and I might listen to the argument. The clandestines are awful. Like, it, it, it's the single biggest fault with this show is that this show has villains. And <laughs> it was that weird moment where like, we were watching it, we were going, like, when the villain's going to show up, when the villain's going to show up, when's the thing they have to punch? And then when it showed up, it was like, oh, I, we're... I wish I wasn't asking where they were now. Kamala should just be punching drones and, like, air-stepping away from stuff. She shouldn't be getting into fights. Anyway, that's Miss Marvel. It was so close to being incredible. Still so much to love about it. Yeah. It's it's the most... It's if simultaneously the most excited I am for the future of a show and the most disappointed I am with the finalised product <laughs> of a thing. And I, if, I, if that doesn't summarise Phase 4, I don't know what does. Except I'm not excited for the future of Marvel. <laughs> well, I was going to say, well, Marvel are back, baby, right? Like, Multiverse of Madness, Ms. Marvel, it's it's all going well. What could possibly... Oh, 
Oh, next week's Love and Thunder. No, but Tyker's back. We like Tyker. We do at, like Tyker. It's the Ragnarok the team. They're back together. The Guardians are in this one. Christian Bale is gore. We're doing Natalie Portman, Jane Foster. What? This all sounds great. I can't imagine how it's going to go wrong. Yeah, we're doing Jane Foster 4. We're doing Gore the God Butcher, two of the best comics of the 2010s. Absolutely. Um, um, like, it's all going to be great. It's going to so be great. So much meat to hang your hat on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyker, maybe not my first choice for directing something this serious, but like he's done things like Jojo Rabbit, which is a movie I don't like, but like I do. The the scene where Scarlett Johansson is revealed to be dead, spoilers, uh, <laughs> is effective. Yeah, I I can't see how it's going to go wrong. Having not seen it, I'm going to go in. No, I, I've definitely seen Love and Thunder. It's... It'll be interesting because I'm going to be. <laughs> So when we're recording this, Ant-Man of the Wasp is out this weekend. I will be probably me- watching Thor and Ant-Man back to back. So I'm okay. very intrigued about how it's going to go because the other thing is those are two fake ass looking movies. Mm-hmm. Compositing is uh, strong. Like, kind of not set in a real world whatsoever. <laughs> no. And even the scenes where Thor is set in like a real world location, it feels like it was built in about a day. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's next week. Uh, this has been Ms. Marvel. Next week, as we said, is Thor, Love and Thunder. Until then, thank you, Ben, and Excelsior. Excelsior. Excelsior.